Merry Christmas. I'd like to get to know you a little bit better here today before we dive into John's version of the Christmas story. A couple questions for you. Number one, how many of you in your family traditions, you are Christmas Eve present openers? Any Christmas Eve opening families, okay? I'm assuming then by the lack of hands, the rest of you are Christmas Day. You've already opened presents. Does anybody have to wait until after church? Oh, I will try to keep this short then. Okay, wrap it up, Scott says. Let's get this thing going. Well, another question for you then. In anticipation of Christmas, in anticipation of the Christmas presents, how many of you, if you dare to admit in this holy place of which we are now seated, are Christmas sneak peekers? You know who you are. Looking under the tree, trying to find little cracks in the wrapping paper. You're the Christmas shakers. You're looking under the bed. You're looking above the closet. How many of you are sneak peekers? Go ahead. You can admit it. This is a safe place. We're going to have communion in a few minutes. Your sins will be forgiven. Well, there was a recent survey that I found from England where they determined or they found out that a third of us admit to sneaking a peek at their Christmas presents. The surveyist calls those folks sneak a peekers, very cheeky British. And they also discovered that one in five, they do that, they sneak a peek by tearing away wrapping paper. One in 20 actually unwrap the entire present and then wrap it all up again. That's like the perfect crime, right? You're never gonna see it coming. And then they also discovered that the best two places to look Top of the closet and underneath the bed. So those of you who are professional sneak-a-peekers, take from this tip. That's probably where the present's going to be. Duly noted. <laughs> sneak-a-peek. I think what this tells us a little bit about our human heart, our human nature, is that we are curious creatures. We love to know something that is unknown. That's why documentaries right now are one of the fastest growing podcasts and uh, film mediums in the United States because podcasts or documentaries tell us a little bit about the unknown. We can discover something. And I was thinking back to a few different situations in my life. Maybe you've experienced this before where you don't know the outcome of something that's going to happen. Maybe it's the test results that you're waiting for. You've applied for a job, and you're waiting for that employer, that hope-for employer to call you back. I remember trying out for basketball my junior year in high school. I was at a brand-new school. Had no idea if I was going to make the team after the tryouts. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I wish I could know what was inside the mind of that coach. Is he going to put me on this team or that team? Well, in our gospel reading today... The Gospel of John, this is actually John's way of pulling back the curtain for us, of giving us an inside scoop to sneak a peek into the mind of God himself. And this is John's version of the Christmas story. Unlike Matthew, unlike Luke, where it runs more like a narrative and you have to turn the pages to see what's happened, and actually to even find out who Jesus is entirely, you have to read the entire Gospels. John summarizes it. In these 14 verses, and we're going to look this morning at three essential questions that John answers for us today. The number one is so important. Who exactly is Jesus? I mean, maybe you're here this morning because it's a very sentimental thing to do, or a grandparent or a spouse dragged you to church. I feel for you. I get it. 
We're going to answer this question, who is Jesus? And then, what did he come to do, and why did he come to do it? John reveals that for us. Let's begin, first of all, in the question, answering the question, who is Jesus? And if you have a Bible, by the way, or your bulletin, your, your service folder that you came in, I would encourage you to open it up to John 1. If it's been a while since you've been in Sunday school, if it's been a while since you've studied this, this might seem like some strange language, kind of hard for us to understand. And ultimately, the very beginning, the first three verses, John answers the question of who is this Jesus? He writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him has not anything made that was made. Now, in order to really understand this, we've got to look at one Greek word. The word for word in Greek is logos. We translate that as word, but this is a very intentional, very brilliant word that John uses here because it appealed to the two types of people within the culture who were the first hearers of this utterance. First of all, the Hebrew-speaking people, the Jewish people, they knew what this word meant. This was the very word of God that in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning brought this universe, this world, humanity itself out of nothing. The word of God, all he has to do is speak and boo. We have this incredible world in which we live, the stars and the sky, the planets. That's the claim of scripture in Genesis chapter one. And then John says, look, you wanna know who that is? That's this Jesus. But then it also appealed to the Greek-speaking people, the Romans of the time, because the logos for them was this kind of mysterious reasoning that held everything together. It was all the intellectual capacity in the entire world that kept the stars in the sky, the sun in place, the earth in its rotation. All of that, the Greeks believe, was this logos. And what John is making claim here is that if you wanna know who that logos is, all you have to do is look to Jesus. Jesus then, therefore, according to scripture, is the creator, and he is so powerful that all he has to do is utter a word, to speak a word, and bam, you have the creation of the world. That's a powerful being, which then hopefully this morning gets us thinking a little bit deeper, using our brains here today, what in the world is that being doing on this planet among mere mortals such as ourselves? And that gets us to our second question, what did he come to do? And for that, I want to encourage you to look at verse 9. Let's jump out a little bit. In verse 9, John says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the key word there for us to understand is that word true. It's another Greek word, and it's very difficult for us to understand that because we don't live in that culture at that time. And there really isn't a perfect English word that can be translated exactly what John is saying here in the original language. So what I did is let me show you what it looks like if you were to take the Greek words and just put it on a piece of paper and would make more sense to a Greek speaker than to an English speaker. It would read like this. Jesus was the light, big pause, breathtaking, dramatic pause, all caps, true, who enlightens every man coming into the world. That word, true, in the Greek means literally coming from or being made by or with truth. 
This is a truth sandwich with two slices of truth, filled with truth, smothered in truth, and put in a big fat fryer of truth and served up in a basket of truth. Is that a horrible analogy or what? I just couldn't think of anything else. I'll go scrape that for next Christmas. That's gone. All right. It is so true that only the all-knowing, omniscient, all-powerful God could actually utter it. That's how true it is. Okay. Now, if you can wrap your mind around that, let's back up a little bit and apply that to our culture today. How does our culture define the word truth? How does our culture define the word truth? You know that science is actually changing by the day. What we understand truth to be and objective truth is now gone. It's more subjective truth to our feelings. My friends, if you're here today and you find yourself sometimes in your thinking, sometimes in your heart, in your worrying, kind of floating in midair and you don't know which way is up and what to believe and how to believe it, that's because our culture now teaches that you will find ultimate truth in your own heart and what the culture is really teaching us in the movies that we watch and the songs we listen to, the people we put our earbuds in and listen to the podcast, it's really teaching that we are our own God. And that as our own God, we get to decide what is true, what is right, what is moral, what is good. And, and look, I'm not telling you to change. You don't have to listen to me. But I would say just go out and live that way for even a minute after today. Just create your own truth and see what happens. You see, this is measurable. And what John is laying claim here today is that if you want to know how to live your life, if you want to experience true human flourishing... If you want to experience true joy and happiness and contentment, look to Jesus. Because by the nature of his, him being the creator of the universe and the knowledge that he has, he has given to us himself so that we could know the truth. And what does he say? The truth will set you free. Jesus offers himself as a guide for us. That's why, that's what he came to do, to illuminate a path. And then the third question, well, why then did he come to do that? Jump back with me to verse 4. John says that in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not Overcome it. And to understand that fully, let's again go back to the original language. This word for life is Zoe. And when we think of life, we might think of the Greek word bios. That's where we get biology from. That's our physical life. That's our, our skin, our bones. That's maybe uh, extended out into the physical world in which we live, whether or not we're married or have kids or the life that we're going to leave behind us, the legacy that might come from our bios, our, our life lived in this earth. But this is a much more comprehensive word. Zoe means your physical life, your bios, plus your spiritual life. It's your whole being. It's what you would use to describe how you felt when you first fell in love with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend. It might describe what it feels like to hold a child in your arms. It describes what it's like when you have the sadness of losing someone and you're sitting by their graveside, all those things combined together make up our Zoe. And the claim that John is making here about Jesus is that Jesus came into this world 
so we could have true life, Zoe life. To use an analogy that I think is very helpful but might leave you with a discerning image as I close this out, it's kind of like those of you who have had to get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. This just happened to me yesterday. I got up, and because I had to get up early and prep for the sermon, Scott's looking at me like, where are you going with this, buddy? This doesn't sound very Christmassy. And I got up in the middle of the night, and, and because I went to bed too early, I put my slippers on the side of the bed, and 3 o'clock in the morning, doggone, I got to go to the bathroom, and so I stepped down off my bed, and wouldn't you know it, I trip over my slipper, my brand new Christmas present slipper, because we're Christmas Eve uh, crisp, uh, Christmas unwrappers. And then I jack my knee into the bedpost, and then I'm swearing on Christmas Day in my bedroom, not being very pastoral-like. And I'm fumbling around in the darkness. And what Jesus has come here to do is that he might shine a light to help us in our own dark moments of this world. When we get the cancer diagnosis, when we're uncertain about the love of our spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, when we're worried about where the next dollar is going to come from, when people mistreat us and abuse us and hurt us and don't live up to our own expectations for them and we're fumbling around in the dark, how do we make sense of this world? How do we know that everything is going to be okay? What Jesus says is, I have come to shine a bright light in the darkness. Look to my light a perfect light. If you want real Zoe, real life, Jesus offers you himself this Christmas. So as we close, you know, Jesus has left a, a gift for us today. He's left his presence, his very self. You know, I think that as we go through this life, it can be very difficult for us in this life of faith. You know, faith in itself, the definition is we believe in something we cannot see. And we struggle with that and we, we doubt that sometimes. We go fumbling around at night trying to figure out, Jesus, are you there? Do you promise that you're going to be there? I mean, this pastor's saying all these things. How do I know that? Jesus came into this world not as a conquering hero with a sword, with a military power, something you think he would do to demonstrate his power. Instead, he came into this world as an innocent little baby. Jesus became killable. And in that vulnerability of Jesus, we see his true heart and his true nature, a God of peace, a God of love, and that baby grew up to be a man, and Jesus gave his life on a cross. He died, he bled. So that when three days later he rose from the dead, we might know without a shadow of a doubt that we have in Jesus his very presence, true life, true Zoe. And today the gift that he gives us is a little taste of that. You know, we're a church that believes in word and sacrament. The proclamation of God's word, we have a high value of it. Reading his word, we have you stand up for the words of Christ, it's important, but equally important is the gift he gives us in his presence, his true body and blood. As you come to the table today, you're going to get a little taste of Jesus, a little sip, a reminder. He says that when you're lost and when you wander, when you feel far from him, he plants himself right here. So what do the words say? Do this in remembrance of me of the great love that he has for you today on Christmas Day when he says to you, Merry Christmas.
Amen.